Morning, everybody. Very nice to see you. Um, I won't, um, for those of you who were last, here last week, I won't embarrass you by saying how many remember to bring your toolkit back, but we've got some notes here. Um, Eric and um, um, Claire, if you'd like to come out and, and help a little bit with them, and they're being passed around. Uh, we've got one thing which is called a, a toolkit, which is um, uh, <clears throat> we'd like you to, um, to have for the whole series, and then there's another sheet which is just for today. Uh, on the toolkits, if you took one home last week and you forgot to bring it this week, which I'm sure is most of you, uh, then please take one this week, but just leave it here. We don't want um, <clears throat> six toolkits in everybody's house and times 200 people. Um, with, uh, so please just uh, be aware of, um, of what you have at home and so on. So this is um, session two of uh, our little course, which is called Knowing Your Authority and Calling. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Lovely. Great. Um, while we were just talking about it, I, I'd love to encourage you to talk about uh, this series and uh, what's coming across in the series uh, with your friends, because um, I think it's really important that we uh, think about how it all works out in practice. Uh, so uh, Paul himself said, therefore, I'll encourage one another and build one another up. So please do that amongst yourselves. Fine, Eric, I think we're ready for a reading from, uh, from you. Last week, uh, Nigel explained very helpfully um, who we are in Christ and the fact that we are complete in Christ. And as um, somebody, I think, was, I forget who it was this morning, but said these, these talks actually build on one another. So it's really important. Uh, if you missed Nigel's talk last week, it's up on the, uh, on the web to um, uh, do listen to it there. And there's also a sheet uh, that he gave out uh, from last week's notes. So do please um, take one of those to it. Uh, just right here on the uh, corner of the dais. So we're going to uh, begin with a reading from Scripture, a very well-known one. And if you've got a Bible or a phone or whatever, uh, we need Ephesians chapter 6. Starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So, what do you see in this picture? Now, if you're like me, uh, you can see an old lady very well. I, I can see the old lady very well. I'd rather see the other one, actually, who's the, um, uh, the young one. What do you see? Can you see them both? I find that when I see the, uh, the young woman, she sort of, she's there for a moment, then she disappears, and I have to sort of try and find her again. But they're both there. Can you see them? You just help one another if you can't. 
So just to give you a hint, the, uh, the old lady is uh, uh, looking towards uh, us at about two o'clock, that kind of thing, and the, uh, the young woman is looking away at about um, four o'clock. Right? Wait a minute. No. Um, so she wasn't two o'clock, was she? She was, the old lady was uh, um, mm, on eight o'clock, wasn't she? And the, the young lady is about um, 11 o'clock looking away. There, we found her. Yeah. And it's very easy sometimes not to actually see what is there. We live in an interesting and, and inconsistent culture, don't we? On the one hand, there's a, a, an, a really aggressive, um, an, an aggressive secularism and, uh, and atheism, uh, which seems to be determined to eradicate religious and spiritual values from our society. But then in complete contrast, there's also a continuing rising um, interest in the, uh, in the occult. And uh, I'm, you probably didn't even discover but there was the, um, a film called Ouija before Christmas, and uh, on the Amazon um, uh, best-selling on their website, actually the uh, the best-selling present uh, just before Christmas. Do you know what it was? It was a Ouija board. Absolutely amazing. The sales went up by three hundred percent. What a paradox! At a festival which was uh, founded and celebrated for centuries by Christians around the world, the most popular gift in this country is a means to explore the occult. Isn't that sad? And on the one hand, there's the rejection of the spiritual world, the secular world, and on the other hand, there's this interest in, uh, in the hidden occult spiritual world. But the fact is that the realities, the spiritual realities of the world, don't change. What does change is the way in which our culture uh, sees them. Um, in the last 20 years, of course, the Internet has transformed the way that we see the world and the way we think about it and the way we experience what's in it. The official term for this is our worldview. So what is a worldview? I found a very helpful definition by a guy called Sire, which is this. A worldview is a set of presuppositions or assumptions which we hold consciously or subconsciously, about the basic makeup of our world. Just think about that. It's a set of presuppositions or assumptions which we hold consciously or subconsciously about the basic makeup of our world. And in practice, of course, the way our mum and dad and our families looked at the world, and we were brought up in that, in that context, is the way that we come to look at, look at the world as we, as we grow up. And then we begin to learn a few things differently. So we make up our own minds as to what we actually uh, think ourselves. But the question I want to ask this morning is what is actual reality? As opposed to assumed reality or even virtual reality, how did Jesus see reality? And what is a biblical worldview? You know how people talk about being in the real world? They usually mean what you can see and touch and hear and feel. But is it just that that goes up to make the real world? Or is there more to it? Because interestingly, Jesus and the whole of the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament, consistently show it to be like this. One world, but two realms. And I'll just uh, uh, go through this video step by step. 
First of all, there's the natural realm, uh, in which is uh, the physical and the visible, and that is inhabited by people and things, and that's what we're all used to. But there's also, and it's really important to realize this, the spiritual realm, the heavenly realms, as Paul calls it, which are inhabited, um, uh, which are spiritual and invisible, and inhabited by a good God and a malign enemy of God uh, called Satan. And that's how the Bible consistently sees our world. This is the biblical worldview. Now, you may think it's old-fashioned, but you give me a better explanation, which makes better sense and is upheld by the experience down the centuries, because I don't think there is one. Now, um, uh, our humanistic Western culture doesn't agree with what I've just shown you. And if I said uh, this stuff to David Attenborough and uh, Richard Dawkins, they would both think that I was simplistic and crazy. Well, I don't think they are crazy, but I do think that they are profoundly wrong. Because they've missed, they haven't seen one half of reality. One half of the real world, which is both these realms. They just don't see what's there. And they won't acknowledge the spiritual world. And one day we will find out who's right. I already think I know who's right. But one day we'll find out. So you can see details on the sheet that you've got with you um, as to um, who inhabits um, uh, what and that kind of thing. I just wanted to um, uh, remind you that the scriptures talk about a, a constant battle between a really good God and an evil enemy of God who actually was originally a fallen angel named Satan. And if you just look on the, uh, on the sheet that you have, you'll see on the, under purpose on the right-hand column, you'll see the, um, the purpose of God's enemy. And his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you see those three things there? And that was what Jesus said about him. And actually, those evil entities hate human beings. They don't just hate Christians, although they certainly hate Christians even more, but they hate human beings um, uh, per se, simply because each human being is made in the image of God. And God's enemy, uh, therefore, just wants to kill, rob, and destroy um, uh, as much as he can to do with human beings. And it's really important that we should understand that. Now, at this point, I just want you to turn to the scriptures again. So if, again, if you've got a Bible uh, or a phone, uh, I want you to uh, turn to a much less well-known passage this time from 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 13. That's 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 13. And this passage is an interesting example of the heavenly realms coming into view. It's about um, a, a guy called Elisha. And there was a king who was um, trying to find out where Elisha was because he was crossed with Elisha because um, uh, he was um, uh, always knowing what the king was about to do. And uh, so we just started verse 13. And the king ordered, go and find out where Elisha is so that I can send men and capture him. 
And the report came back, he's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up, that's Elisha's servant, and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be af afraid, the prophet Elisha answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all round Elisha. Now here's a, here's a drawing of uh, what I've just read, uh, somebody's impression of, uh, of what happened there. And you see that what was happening was that Elisha was, uh, and his servant were about to be captured, and um, in the morning the servant got up, and what did he see? He saw all these troops uh, surrounding them, and uh, he was obviously dismayed. But it's interesting that when Elisha the prophet got up, it wasn't just the troops surrounding them that he could see, he could see into the spiritual realm, and he could see the angelic friendly forces uh, up on the hill. And needless to say, uh, not a single hand was laid on Elisha uh, that day, because um, the friendly forces came into view, and they actually uh, ruled what happened that day. Interesting, we're thinking about the First War a little bit um, because uh, of the 50th commemorations um, uh, this year. Uh, and the, there are one or two stories out of the First War. Um, one was, is entitled The Angel of Bethune in 1942, where similar things seem to have happened. It's obviously very difficult to verify it at this distance, but similar things seem to have happened where angels seem to have uh, appeared and began, begun fighting on the, uh, on the side of good. Now, I've been interested to know how many people here have actually seen beings in the spiritual realm, uh, good or bad, uh, with their eyes. Just, just indicate. That's interesting. I wouldn't expect very many. Thank you. And how many people uh, here are, have been very much aware of them, even if you didn't see them? Okay, that's good. That's great. That's most people. And what I'm trying to say is that the Old Testament and the New Testament are both trying to show us that the invisible world is continually impacting and affecting what is happening in the visible world. But the question is, of course, how much do you and I take the spiritual world into account? And how can we wield weapons in the spiritual warfare? How does that work? And I wanted to read you a few more verses. I think the verses are down in your sheet somewhere from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. Uh, just uh, see what St. Paul says. It's chapter 10, verse, um, uh, verse 3, where uh, Paul says this, Though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So you see, what he's saying is that we live in the natural realm, but we have weapons in the spiritual realm, and I've been saying that the spiritual realm influences the natural realm, and, uh, and Paul is saying but we have weapons in that spiritual realm so that actually we can make sure and fight and see God's victory worked out in that spiritual realm, which will then 
uh, follow through in the physical realm. Now we'll be, taking, we'll be talking a little bit more about this later on in the series. But uh, just to begin with, the amount that you and I pray actually affects how much we work on the shows, shows how much we work in the spiritual realm. I don't just mean going to prayer times, but praying here, there, and everywhere. And that's a good indication of how much uh, uh, awareness we have of the spiritual realm. So how much do you personally engage in the spiritual realm? When did you last go behind what is happening in the visible world and deal with it, causing the spiritual world to change and then the visible world to change? Did that happen yesterday? Or six weeks ago? Or six months ago? And it may be that some of us here this morning need to say sorry to the Lord for often failing to take reality of the, to take the reality of the spiritual world into account. And uh, instead we just rely on our own efforts and our own insight, don't we? So Paul was anxious to remind us, thanks John, to, that we're not, um, we're not fighting people. I don't know whether you've got a difficult boss or somebody in the office is, is, is difficult, and it's very easy, isn't it, to ho- let the whole thing become personal. And, and, and uh, Paul is saying, no, 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 it's not flesh and blood that we're, f- we're fighting. It's actually an interesting, they were mentioned on the election thing, weren't they? It's principalities and powers. It's, um, Paul calls them dark forces, dark, mighty powers of darkness, authorities of the unseen world. And that is what we are fighting. So were you aware of that in this last week just gone by? Do you have it in mind? Did you act on it? God is so good, isn't he? He's so kind to people like me. And uh, just earlier this week, um, a young couple rang me up and said, do you know, we'd like to just um, uh, have you come and pray with us because uh, things are not going that well. And um, uh, very strangely, one of us has found ourselves in hospital just with great regularity, um, and uh, we're just wondering uh, what's going on. And I thought to myself, well, well, what are these two doing? And actually what they were doing was they were looking at their circumstances, what was happening to them, and they were saying, is this just happening? Is this just? They were asking some questions behind it. And that's how we should all be, a real awareness of the spiritual realm and the impact of the visible, um, and its impact on the visible realm. And with a real um, understanding that actually what is happening on earth is not just all, all that's going on, because often things behind it. If we're going to be aware of the spiritual realm, here's, this is a really good question to be asking ourselves. Is this just happening? And if you look in your, if you've got your toolkit there, uh, on, under session two, you'll see uh, a good number. But I'll, I'll just put up some uh, here, thanks. Um, is this difficult situation just happening? Is my strange marriage just happening? Is my bad mood just happening? Away we go, John. That's, that's fine. Is this illness just happening? Is this depression just happening? Are these generational traits just happening? And the answer is, they may be just happening. Or it may be, well, no, I'm not sure that they are just happening. Shall we look behind and see whether God's enemy and his minions 
are actually either initiating it or aiding and abetting the difficulties that we are facing as, uh, as Christians. Do you ever do that? And I think as a, as a vineyard, we're quite good at um, seeing the spiritual realm and expecting the spiritual realm to be at work when we are proactive, when we're praying for people after the service or when we're going out, out on the streets, um, uh, healing on the streets or treasure hunting on, on the streets. But when it's reactive, when things are happening to us, I think often we are slower to think about whether it's the, something in the spiritual realm which is, uh, which is causing it. Now, um, I just want to say, I'm not talking about um, uh, seeing demons under every bush at all. Uh, but just think of the security forces. Think if they didn't, in our nation at the moment, with the terrorist threat and so on, think if they didn't pay any attention to what the enemy was actually doing. Think of the result of that. It's just MI5 and MI6 just said, we'll close down and we'll just wait and see what happens. Think what would happen. And I think that's the position which uh, we as Christians are often in. We, we, we do lots of things in the Lord, but we never actually ask ourselves, or we, nor, nor ask God, what is it that's happening in the spiritual realm. Now, in a way, it's a really good perspective to think much more about the positive than the negative. And I think I, I would always want to do that. But what we don't want to do is to miss and then fail to deal with the enemy's continual attempts to um, harass and thwart us. And personally, I like not to be reactive towards the enemy. I like to be proactive. And uh, this has only happened in the last few years. But I have come to see that actually, if we're going to defeat God's enemy in the invisible realm, we need to decide that that's what we're going to do. So in the last few years, every, every single morning, I have taken, um, I'm now the kind of oldest in the family. That's real bad, isn't it? But there we are. Um, and uh, uh, I have taken to uh, praying for uh, our family and basically taking authority uh, in the spiritual realm uh, for the 11 of us as our family. That's my, my daughter and her husband and two, two girls and my son and his wife and their three children and for ourselves. And so at the beginning of every day, I tell the enemy that he's going to leave us and he's going to leave all, uh, all 11 of us. And, uh, and I just pray God's blessing and presence and uh, however I'm, I'm led on the rest of the family. Now, the interesting thing is that I have to say that since I began doing that, it was later for the family, but since I began praying in this way, I have been uh, physically better than I have ever been in the rest of my life. Now, I don't know whether that's co coincidence. I, I don't know. And I have no idea how many accidents that saved and that kind of thing. But that's what I've decided to do, because I've decided that I want to actually start each day uh, where I mean to live it, which is um, uh, telling the enemy where he can and can't go as far as my life is concerned, as far as Hillary's life is concerned, and as far as our family is concerned. And it's important not to, not to forget that the enemy is a, is a deceiver. And uh, Paul says how anxious he is in his words that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not aware, unaware of his schemes. Then we want to be the same like that? So if you look, um, uh, uh, just look on the sheet which you've been given for this, for this session, and you will see that the Western mindset today is resistant of the, to the biblical, uh, biblical worldview which I've been outlining for you. 
And it's really, to remember, really important to remember that the enemy is a deceiver. So he doesn't come out and he says, oh, this is me, and this is what I'm trying to do. He actually does exactly the opposite, exactly like the terror threat. He will do it underground, he will do it quietly, and all you will see is the result. And, it, and even when you see the result, he will try and deceive you that it's not him. So I just want you to have a look at those. Uh, sorry, it's under the number four. The four got in there by mistake. Um, but uh, just read those um, uh, four or five points at some point. So the question is then, if we recognize God's enemy uh, interfering in any way in our lives, what, it is, what is it that we can do about it? What should we do about it? And I was just going to ask um, uh, Claire to share a little bit with us. Claire, do come up. Wonderful. Thank you for coming. Um, you just moved house into Winchester, is that right? Yes. And tell us what happened um, when you um, when you do. Were, were things fine to begin with? Yeah. Well, no. The, the, right from the start, I felt right. there was something not quite right. We moved to Hairstock in Winchester, even though it was a planned move. We wanted to be there. We knew God wanted us there. Um, right from the start, I began to feel, oh, I thought I would feel different to how I do feel now we've arrived. Right. So you you felt a bit strange. Um, and uh, so what did you think about at that point? Well, I thought maybe it was just I was unsettled because of the move, because moving house is an unsettling time. So initially I thought it's just me, it's going to take time to settle. Right, and what did you think might be happening? What, what led you to think something different to that? Well, o over the, the, a few weeks I began to feel like I really wasn't welcome in Winchester and that I didn't belong and that we shouldn't be there, even right. though we desperately wanted to be there and knew God wanted us there. But uh, those feelings got stronger and stronger in me, and I found them quite disturbing. So what did you do about that? Well, we, uh, I just happened, actually. God, God, uh, I pray, we prayed about it, Mervyn and I. Right. And then I had a conversation with a neighbour who, <laughs> apologies to people who live in Hairstock, who told me that the... Um, I said, why is it called hair stock? And she said, well, they've called it hair stock rather than head stock. And it used to be head stock. And I said, why? And then she said, well, the, uh, where you live, the pathway next to your house is right on the ancient boundary of Winchester. And along that ancient boundary, <laughs> Apologies for this. They used to put on display the heads of all the criminals in Winchester to ward off attackers that if people got caught, this is what would happen to them. And it's all around this area and there have been archaeological digs that have unearthed it all. So uh, it then alerted me that spiritually there had been some awful things that had happened on the land. Did your house church not show this up? No. <laughs> no, and, and once Mervyn and I heard it, we thought, oh, we've got, well, we live here now. We have authority in Jesus over this. We don't have to come under it in fear. Okay, so what did you do, do about it? Well, I happened to visit Bethel, which is interesting, in the middle of this. So I sought advice from very key people there. And they said, no problem. How exciting for you. What a wonderful challenge in God. They said, all you have to do is repent once on behalf of the people who have committed murder and hostility on the land. 
you have authority just to repent on their behalf and then you pray in the absolute opposite spirit of welcome, acceptance, belonging. Just like that. And I thought, that is dead simple. And they said, you've got authority in Jesus. Don't let the enemy intimidate you. So that's exactly what we did. And every day I say, I belong here. This is my home. I belong in Hairstock. This is a place of welcome, belonging and acceptance. And I love Winchester as my city. And uh, I've done that every day, and I now feel really connected. Well, that's changed how you're feeling. Totally you're changed how I'm um, feeling. And um, and in the middle of the night, uh, every neighbour you talk to has these stories, you see. And I can remember feeling a little bit ruffled again over some other information I was yeah. given. And I thought, no, this is fear coming against me. This is the enemy trying to intimidate me. And I resisted that spirit of fear and um, intimidation and, again, brought in the opposite spirit of peace and love. Right. And each time I walk down that pathway, I declare it. And then yeah. just one very quick last thing. In the middle of the night, a few nights ago, when we'd had coffee with neighbors and it had all come up again, um, I, I, I just said, Lord Jesus, I just know you're with me and I declare your presence. And I had a very strong impression that I didn't see it of a really powerful angel coming into the room. And it was an angel God had assigned to me and our home and our family to protect us. We were at no risk because where we live, it's the kingdom of God. Okay, thank you. So there's some hair. Yeah, thank you. So those from Hairstock can line up in front of Claire uh, after the service. It's really important what she was saying is not to allow the enemy to intimidate us or to um, undermine us, and he does in all sorts of ways. So I would encourage you. Um, We've just got a minute or two, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to suggest um, that you, for, for one moment, just think of any situation that is going on around you, um, uh, around your life, and then just um, ask, ask yourself, is this just happening? Just going to give you about a minute to do that. So just be quiet. Any situation which is going on around your life, work, family, friends, whatever it might be. And uh, if you get a sense that the answer is no, it's not just happening, uh, but actually there may be um, uh, some aspect of God's enemy behind what's causing you or your family, whatever it is, difficulty, then just ask God what that is about, if he can help you with it. Okay. Well, the next step is to, uh, I realize you would have seen with Claire that this is sometimes a process. It's not necessarily instantaneous. It's sometimes a process. On the other hand, sometimes it is instantaneous. And it's very good to pray for one another and pray with one another uh, to ask if things are just just happening uh, with a friend uh, or um, uh, with your husband or wife if you're married, uh, just to to do this together and then ask God to, uh, to to lead us. Now the next thing we need to do is to actually to take authority, and uh, I'm just going to um, just give you a moment or two if you're confident at this stage. Although we will be telling, showing you more about 
uh, how to do this uh, further into the series. If you're uh, confident at this, at this stage, why don't you just quietly, what you've been praying about and asking God about, why don't you just uh, uh, take authority against uh, Satan and his minions, that's his, uh, his troops, as it were, around and near you, and just tell them to leave, to get out of this situation, and to go to the feet of Jesus, and just do that quietly, and then ask God and his presence and his Holy Spirit and his angels to come in in place. There's just a moment or two where you can do that. Okay, well, you may feel it's all done. You may feel that actually there's something you want to, you want to ask about that in terms of uh, Claire did a little bit of research about the area and that kind of thing. Uh, you may need to go further back, uh, whatever it is. Um, but <clears throat> uh, let me just uh, try and help us with um, how we go about this whole deal. The first thing is to really take on board what Nigel was saying last week, is that uh, we are in Christ and we are seated with him in the heavenly realm. Just, uh, that's it. So you see that, um, and, and is that where you start every day? Because that's where you need to be starting every single day. Is that where you started this morning? Thank you, Lord. That's where I'm, I am with you. It may be a Sunday. And is that what you're gonna, how you're gonna start Monday morning? Thank you, Lord. Uh, I've gotta go to the office again. But I'm gonna do it seated with you in the heavenly realms. So that's really important that we should grasp that and understand it and put it into practice. The second thing to, um, uh, to, to realize is that it's not just leaders, it's not just Nigel and Joe who have the authority to deal with things, it's you and me, the normal, regular Christian. And we need to ask um, you know, friends to help us with this so that we can learn to, uh, to what the Lord wants to do is to rule and reign in life uh, in the name of Jesus, bringing in his kingdom. So he wants us to do today what he walked around the earth doing 2,000 years ago, which was to, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to preach the good news to the poor, and, to bring out, and even to raise the dead, and to bring in the kingdom of God around you. And he wants us to do that exactly the same way. And then as we get close to him, thank you for the next slide, um, just, uh, what we need, need to do, as Claire demonstrated, we just need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Keep calm and listen to him. And by all means, just ask people who are close to you to help you at praying in this kind of way. Because he's calling you and me, not just Nigel and Joe, to take the weapons that he's given us and to fight the spiritual battle right where we are. And I'll just give you a couple of things uh, over the week if you would like to do them. The first, the first two things is to have a read. You can make a note of this. Have a read of Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Not sure you probably read Job chapter 1 in the last few days. Um, have a read of Job chapter 1. And then have a read of uh, Revelation chapter 12. Same might be true of that. And then why don't you, through this week, Ask yourself about aspects in your life, any difficulties or problems, just ask yourself and say, okay, Lord, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, is this just happening? And I'm going to try and discover uh, if the enemy is behind it in any way. And then do by all means 
you know, consult um, other, other Christians so that we can learn together. We can encourage one another together and we can learn together uh, how, to, how to live this way. So why don't we stand for a moment and uh, just ask God to help us. And I'm uh, just going to pray a prayer, uh, which is just committing ourselves to the awareness of the spiritual realm uh, in all situations. Father, I thank you so much that when you brought us into Jesus, you opened our eyes. And Lord, we're aware that we need our eyes continually opening to the realities, to the real world, Lord. And together we want to say that we want to be, to understand the spiritual realms as well as we understand the natural physical realms. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us, teach us to be the people that you have created us to be, to use the authority that you've given us to use, and to bring in your wonderful kingdom among us and around us. So we look to you, Lord, and we thank you. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.